We be live! Hello! Hello! Should I tell people what we were talking about before we no! went live? No! <laughs> yeah. I remember it was like, Susanna, pull yourself together. <laughs> we have oh, a Christopher. show to do. We do, yeah. Get a hold of it. Christopher just liked the video. Guys, reminder, like! Everybody, stop everything you're doing. Just take half a second and like the video before we move forward. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't take any amount of effort or time, and it helps us grow the channel. So just stop. Stop right now. I'm looking at you. Right, you? Yeah, you. John, Eric, Emily, stop right now. <laughs> Fatima, talking to you. Like the video. Good job. Thank you. Adi is here saying hello, infidels. Sasan is here. Hi. Oh, good. Sasan has liked the video. Thank you. Good, awesome. good, good, good. So See, let's get into the news this week. Yeah. So guys, we have, we, this is an atheist channel that covers atheism and religion related news globally. And by globally, I mean globally. We're the most global, um, with the, 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 the news show, Atheist Republic news show with the atheist news show with the most global perspective. And by the way, speaking about global, guys, let us know in the live chat where you're watching from. Mention the country. And Susanna, what countries we're covering today in our news segment? We got Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, Iran, USA, Palestine, um, and then Israel, fittingly wow. enough. Um, See? And some more cool. stories from the USA and a surprise story from Sri Lanka. Nice. Um, and the news today is mostly sad. Is it mostly... Um... It's mostly just like interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's okay. really isn't... Not that much tragedy? Oh Not that much Thank tragedy. You. Really only the, the... Well, there's two stories that are tragic and that's it. Okay. Oh, hi from India. So All right. cool. So should we? Can the first? Oh yeah, the first one is the tragic one, right? We can't it's clap the, for the first yeah, one. Yeah, it's really tragic. So so guys, the the first one is the most tragic and it's the most important. But let's just. <sighs> Let's just suffer through this. After that, it gets easier, okay? All right, yeah. so I'm not going to clap. I almost clapped. Yeah. All right, first first news. This is a really important story to cover. This happened last week. Um, So, Pakistani mob kidnaps man accused of blasphemy from the police and lynches him. On February 11th, an angry mob in Pakistan attacked a man at a police station in Punjab province and lynched him. The man was identified as Waris Ali Isa. Waris was imprisoned for reportedly desecrating pages of of the Quran, the Islamic holy book. The angry mob, composed of hundreds of Muslims, accused him of witchcraft and charged into the Warburton police station where Waris was in custody. Some protesters used a wooden ladder to climb a wall and then open the gate for the mob. According to a senior police officer, by the time police reinforcement could reach the scene, the mob had lynched the man and was about to burn his body. But the police foiled their attempt with the help of some more rational people in the area. Um, the senior police also noted that worries had been... Uh, previously arrested for a similar blasphemy charge in 2019, found innocent and released from prison in mid-2022. Pakistan's Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif condemned the lynching and demanded that the chief of Punjab police take action against the officers who failed to protect Waris when he was in custody. Wow. What did he do exactly? Do we know? So I have read in some reports that he allegedly was like putting, like gluing photos of himself and his family inside the Quran of all things this was mm. the allegation that he was using the Quran as a scrapbook I guess <laughs> um 
Yeah, that that's what I read in in some report. So so the the mob tried to lynch him. The police come came and got him so that he was saved. And they managed to then go to the police station and get him out of the police station and lynch him there. They, they, so yeah, even being they, even being arrested like it used to be in Pakistan that you wanted to be arrested so you get saved from the mob. But apparently now that's not even enough. Like even if even if you're being held by police, the mob can still come and kill you. That's still that's still this isn't even the first time that this has happened. Yeah, this yeah. isn't even the first time that this has happened. A few years ago, either last year or the year before, we covered a story where there was a mob in Pakistan that tried to lynch a man who was mentally disabled for accusations of blasphemy. The, a mentally disabled man, they tried to kidnap him from the police and lynch him. In my room, I'm not sure if my memory is correct, but I believe they managed to take the man out of that location like right before the mob got there to go get them. If my memory is correct with that incident, they didn't actually end up killing that man. But that's how extreme things are. This isn't the first time that this has happened. Obviously, the the most the case that got the most international recognition happened in December of 2021. And it was when a Sri Lankan Buddhist man who was a manager at a factory, I believe his name was Priyantha Kumar, was lynched by his own factory workers because he allegedly took off a poster or a sticker that had the name Muhammad on it because he needed to clean up the factory for an inspection. And merely taking off that sticker, which some say was pr- promoting the Islamist party, the TLP, and just happened to have the name of Muhammad on it, just taking that off was enough to lynch him in the middle of the street, set his body on fire, and then they would throw their shoes into the fire of his body to keep it burning longer. But that got a lot more international recognition because that was a foreign national who was murdered in this way. And so that got a really big reaction. And unfortunately, this situation, it's it's very sick. It's just like, oh, it's just another Pakistani. Like, who cares? So That's uh, the attitude. I'm not saying that that's my attitude. Yeah. So we got a super chat by uh, Newman saying, sorry, Susanna. I don't know for what, but... Newman, thank you very much for the super chat. You have nothing to apologize for. Okay. Nothing at all. And I'm very, I'm really happy that you're here with us today. So thank- I'm glad to see you yeah. here. Uh, guys, don't donate to us unless you have a lot of excess money, okay? But thank you for the support. Uh, Sasan is saying, why didn't the police protect him i was gonna answer that but gossip already answered it for us saying the police needs some, the police need someone to protect the, uh, protect itself yeah because the mob overwhelms them the mob the they angry didn't mob have enough po- reinforcement it sounded like but then there was also a situation where it's like okay maybe they needed more reinforcement but then how were they even allowed to get to the point where they were like scaling the walls of the police station and then like able to let more people in like there was clearly some negligence severe negligence present in this case. I believe there are a number of officers that have been arrested um, or suspended, excuse me. I think a few officers have been suspended the prime minister or some other higher ups ordered um, a investigation. And uh, I also read that there have been 50 people that have been arrested in uh, in this murder so far. And um, that also uh, many, there are many of those 50 that have been arrested so far are members of the TLP, which mm-hmm. is the 
for those who don't know, the TLP is the uh, one one of many Islamist parties in Pakistan, but it's one that um, the blasphemy issue is the central issue of the TLP. Um, Pakistani uh, Patriot Force, who usually defends Pakistan, is now saying, um, I hate living in Pakistan. Oh, so th- things are getting to a point where even this guy who always comes here and defends Pakistan is now like hating on living there. By the way, look at what it's saying in that tweet saying that uh, this guy Arsalan Khan uh, saying another mob lynching over alleged blasphemy in Pakistan. Unbearable to watch the video. We're not going to show you the videos, guys. Oh my but, god, like, never. It was really horrible and it's saying, which even includes children. Yeah, I saw Harris showing that, that it's horrible. Children were kicking and beating a dead man. Guys, the videos of this lynching includes children. The dead body was being also kicked around by by children imagine the mindset that these kids are going to be growing up with and it says the police ran away to save themselves jesus christ wait there was another tweet in this article that i think i wanted to highlight can you scroll down a little bit oh yeah yeah so um Yet another case of mob lynching in Pakistan over alleged insult of Islam. A man was first handed over to police amid street sloganeering of Sharia punishment. Then a mob broke into the police station and killed him. And I think there was another one, if you scroll down a little bit further. Here we go. Um, Ashok Swain tweeted, In Nankana Sahib, Pakistan, an extremist mob lynched a man over alleged desecration of the Quran. Another example of rising religious extremism in Pakistan. Thankfully, the regime suspended two cops and any minister is yet to garland the lynching mob. So this is some very dark humor. So the person is saying, oh, good job. They suspended two cops and we don't have any governors that have been showering the killers with garlands and flowers so far. Like that's his idea of good news is that there's no government officials out here praising these murderers because we have seen that happen many, many times in the past. Should I should I play one of these videos? Because D is, D is the one who included these videos and she's saying none of them includes any of the violence that we can't show oh this one this video we could show yeah i I trust d is our lovely editor she does such a good job everyone in the chat say thank you d i trust d's judgment you can hear right yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, and then so they just go over and then they let people in through the gate. So how did the police even let that happen to begin with? Because then once everyone's inside, they're going to need a ton of reinforcement. Oh my God, look at the doors open. Ah, everyone's, these are, these are, people are thirsty for blood. Look at this. Oh my God, I would be scared to be a police. Honestly, if I was the police, I would be like, I'm not paying enough for this. I would be out of there. Look at the mob. They're so like, yeah. You need a. You don't need the police. You need an army to stop this. Yeah. 
Failed state coming up. Damn. Oh, Horace Sultan is here. Hi, Horace. Oh. He's saying they are chanting what the TLP popularized. And the speaker is saying, don't go there. They already arrested him. Meanwhile, oh. Pakistan Patriot Force is like having a, he's like having a come to Jesus moment right now. And, and he's drunk. Yeah. Susanna, basically there's more liberals in Pakistan than ever before, but a section of society that is also becoming more extreme. And then he goes, Horace Baha'i, you are right. I hate living here. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Oh, Pakistan okay. Patriot Force, I know we have had some run-ins in the past, a lot of disagreements, okay? But we Atheist Republic, we're very compassionate people, and we want you to be okay, okay? So, like, please take care of yourself. We have a big community. I don't know, maybe join our Discord. and Link is in the description if you want to go vent or something. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Harris is saying yesterday you were saying that you... You ran away from Pakistan. I still, uh, I still live here. Well, well, it's good. It's good to, for us to be forgiving. You know, it's okay, Harris. Let's just accept um, Pakistan a change of mind here. It's not. A, it's 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 and and he's he seems very young, so I don't know. But uh, there was a question by Sosan here. I wanted us to answer this. How 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 do you answer this one? I have one word for this. I have one um, word answer. Sosan John is asking, how do people get like this? I need to know to sleep at night. Okay. Um, religion. That's it's, it, that's but it's it. not okay. Frankly, that's a big part of it, but that's not the only answer. Like it's religion and a lack of alternatives. It's a religion and a lack of viable alternatives of ideas that are presented to you in your environment, and yes. it's also poverty and tribalism. Oh, look at this. Aw, Newman is saying, Susanna, thanks. I'm going to get help because of you. Okay, thanks. Ah, oh, good, 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 Newman. This is what I like to see. This is what I like to see. That's right. Good job, kids. I'm uh, proud of you. It's not It's not easy to get help, so I'm, I'm really proud me of you. Me and Harris were uh, talking on the Secular Jihadist show, um, mm -hmm. Harris Sultan. We were talking about what we think is going to happen to uh, the future of Pakistan, what it's going to yes, be like. Yes, I was watching the show, and I was loving your Pakistan analysis that you just did in the last episode. I was yeah. loving it. Yes, yes. I was yeah. like, this is what I like to see. Okay, sorry, continue. No, but like m both of us, I mean, he knows a lot more than I do, but... Um, it, it doesn't seem bright. I mean, it's just like we're desperate to see any any shifts in Pakistan right now. But every time we mm. look, every week when we look at Pakistan again, the situation seems to get, be getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So I don't know. It's rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it doesn't help, you know, in other countries where the government is a problem and the people are moving in the right direction, even though, like in, for example, in Iran, the government is a problem, but the people are becoming more secular and more liberal. So even though you're, you're not very optimistic about what the situations are right now, you could see a bright future because at the end of the day, given enough time, the governments will reflect the will of the people. With Pakistan, you don't have that optimism about the future because no matter how much, how much, how much you want to play musical chair with the people who are in power at the end of the day the problem comes from the people itself you know mm -hmm. and the, the culture and the mentality is so it's so backwards there that it's it's such a more fundamental problem from from the core from the bottom up so a change in government um it's not going to fix that you need to go to in and, fact it and, might make things worse because people will have a stark reaction into in the, in the difference of the attitudes of the government versus themselves yeah and changing the mentality of the people from the bottom up this is not something you could do in one or two 
generations. This is going to take ages, and it's and it's heavily moving in the wrong direction. So I am I am scared. I am scared for Pakistan. And also, by the way, if you if you're an Indian and you're celebrating the downfall of Pakistan, you have no oh, idea. God. No, no. You have no idea. You know, every Indian person that that cares for India should be wishing like wanting the stability of pakistan you guys should indian <laughs> you are so right <laughs> pakistan is failing guys this is your neighbor do you understand what an unstable you know unstable country on your borders what a failed states on your border is going to do to your country you're going to be you should instead of being the enemy of pakistan you should be like rushing into their aid right now you have no idea how problematic this is going to be so the, after pakistan the main people who want to see the success of pakistan right now is every single neighbor of pakistan especially india especially india yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and pa- pakistan patriot forces say armin we aren't all extreme i promise we would never we would never say that all pakistanis are extremists that is is something i I firmly (laughs) i never use the word i never use the word all in fact i think that the secular activists and the atheists and even the liberal muslims who live in pakistan i salute to you and i don't know (laughs) yeah you guys are on the front lines Uh, you guys are in places where i don't can't even imagine being and my sympathies and best wishes and i try we try here to be your voices okay pakistani atheists pakistani liberals pakistani secular activists and even moderate muslims liberals in pakistan we here are trying our best to shine a light on what's happening in pakistan and let us know if there's anything else everyone in the try. chat give a salute because oh, yeah. they're in the trench yeah yes yeah, so Hassan is saying uh i've seen armin many times and he is not a collectivist yes i would not claim that if he ever him. says a collective statement that's how you know he's joking actually <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might have. Uh, to be fair, so Harris is trying to, uh, saying defending me, saying Army never uses all. I mean, I don't want to say never. It might have slipped, um, but hopefully the chat has caught me if I ever said all. In fact, he spends most of his time telling care- careless people like me to add majority or most in the interest of being accurate. Oh, Harris, that's so sweet. That's such a great compliment. This made me thank you, Harris. And we um, have awesome the Iranian giving the salute to our Pakistani yeah. brother and sisters <laughs> it doesn't show on stream yet but that guys that square over there that's a salute oh it shows yeah. on my side oh really um oh yeah we could uh, i can't do it never mind all right you can't do this uh, box symbol is that good enough it's good enough <laughs> no. make okay. your thumb straighter uh, oh uh, no <laughs> oh no <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Can we? Can is it get better? It gets better from here. Yes, because we're gonna make fun of the Taliban. Okay, we're gonna make fun of the Taliban. That's fantastic. I love doing that. All right, so we can clap then. Yes. Okay, we don't use. We don't get to usually often clap when when it's Taliban news. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is kind of nice. <laughs> Next news. Next news. The Taliban hates office work and misses the days of jihad. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, I knew this. I knew this. I would. I didn't think you. I would hear it, but I knew that. I. I felt like these people. They're like, damn it! Like I missed the good old days. What is this? This is not what we were meant to do. But yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Recently, the Afghanistan Analytics Network, or AAN, a nonprofit research agency, conducted interviews with five former Taliban Mujahideen, or, you know, guerrilla fighters who, quote unquote, struggle for Islam, who are now part of the new government. Uh, Sabawun Sahim, Samin, excuse me, a researcher at AAN, asked the Taliban members how they felt about their victory in securing control of the country. According to some of the members of the Taliban, they are now expressing complaints about the work life that they lead behind a desk after spending their lifetime riding horses in the countryside as jihadists. They find themselves thinking about how to pay rent and are addicted to using social media like Twitter to pass the time. One member said, quote, I'm happy with my job, but I often miss the time of jihad. During that time, every minute of our life counted as worship. We used to live amongst the people, but many of us have now caged ourselves in our offices and palaces, abandoning the simple life. One former fighter named Mansoor also complained about the traffic in Kabul and said that he was robbed of his freedom after the Taliban won. This is <laughs> so amazing. This, this is amazing. Wait, <laughs> I have to, I'm going to find, Bill Maher had some, a few good jokes about this. I'm going to try to find it, but go on. No, go no, on. I actually, I, I if you want to show oh. that, I put the link to the that clip in the show notes. Oh, I cannot. Oh, it, it's HBO, Susie. I know. And if I show that, that would be an immediate copyright strike. So, so I'm then just, what are you going to do? I was just going to find the jokes to see if somebody wrote it somewhere. Oh, wrote it down. And, and, and just read them. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is hilarious because I, I went and I actually went to go read the full report that this analytics uh, nonprofit did. And so I read like the full interviews or that they released with the all the Taliban fighters. And um, it was fascinating. Um, they didn't have anything in common besides the fact that none of them had come from Kabul um, and they had all joined the Taliban when they were teenagers. Um, and now they were living in Kabul and it was really funny because they all talked about how before they secured control of the country, they had never been to Kabul before. And so they talked about how they had they believed that Kabul was going to be like evil and grotesque and da da da, but then they found that actually like people are very nice and sometimes they like it better than the village life because people aren't always in your business and they don't care who comes in your house or what you're doing. <laughs> or um, they also talked about how what one fighter said that the people in Kabul are actually more holy because in the village people do charity or go to the mosque every weekend so that other people will see them doing it. But in Kabul, no one is going to notice if you're doing charity or if you're going to the mosque. Um, so th they're saying the people that actually are observing their religious duties in Kabul are more... Um, Kabul. 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 Ol. Okay, yeah, ol. But yeah, go on. Anyways, they're, they're, they're actually more religious because they're doing it even though no one in their culture or society is going to notice. And then they also talked about how, Armin, this was fascinating to me. When the first week or the first few weeks in which they took power, one of the Talibs was saying that they, um, they, th when women would come to them, like looking for assistance and they basically needing the police, they would run away from the women because they had never what? spoken. They would run away from the women <laughs> because they said that they had never spoken to a strange woman before. What they mean oh is that they had never spoken to a female outside of their family members 
ever before. What? They, they thought it was a sin to be talking to these women until finally there was a scholar that had to sit down with them and say that your authority is in this country now. You have to talk to them because you are the authority and you have to enforce the law. So this isn't a sin. You're the police. You can't be running away from women who need your help. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and um, all of... Uh, yeah, this, this is bad, by the way, because these people have no idea how to run a country. These people have no idea how yeah. to run a country. And this country needs, you know, management right now. This country yeah. really needs... Oh, I remember no, one no, of them thing. was... Go on, go. They also talked about how during the first weeks of their reign, they were, like, afraid to go outside. And they were afraid to go in different areas of the city, not because they were afraid of Americans or drones or Western forces or any of that. They were afraid to go out into the city because they were afraid of seeing women. By the way, these people are are not afraid of dying. No. Like these, people, these people are ready to go into battle hoping to be killed. These people are not afraid of uh, suicide attacks, not afraid of drones, not afraid of bullets, not afraid of active warfare, but they're like, they're scared <laughs> shitless staying in their home because strange women might talk to them. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. This is amazing. This is No, no. So here's the thing. There is a like a there's a meme that you see sometimes on ex-Muslim Twitter about the this old this like, you know, classic Dai, like his name is Dawa Man. And he's from like Birmingham, UK. So he he's kind of like a weird mix between like a the man them there and then also like Dawa. <laughs> and there's this video of him sobbing. He's crying, talking about how he doesn't Aww. leave the house because he's afraid of seeing sisters in improper hijab. Aww, and people mock him relentlessly. He is shedding real tears on camera over being afraid of seeing sisters in improper hijab. And then this reading the the, the interviews with these talibs, I was like, oh my god, this this isn't just this isn't just Daba man. Like this is a real thing. Like it's like the all of the talibs are like, oh my god, I'm terrorized. Like Yeah, I've seen I've seen um I've seen because I follow like Iranian re- very religious Iranian YouTube channels. I've seen people cry over women not having a job more than i can count like men <laughs> but cry are they crying yeah. because they're scared to see it no these ones these ones were crying because they were feeling they're thinking like well look what's happening to our woman look what mm. is like the degeneracy that is spreading in our land right yeah but, yeah yeah so that one that was a different reason for why they were crying oh by the way i can't i can't find the jokes but more were saying but i remember one of them and i know i can't say it and i can't make it funny the way he says it right but he was like he had like different taliban pictures of in the office trying to work and issuing complaints and one of the account i was like you try doing accounts pay- payable without jews so that was one of them <laughs> <laughs> And one of there was another one who was complaining about having to be trained about workplace harassment, even though they have no woman working at the office. (laughs) That's good. That's good. No, can I read some quotes from the Talibs? Oh, oh yes, please. Yes, we have quotes, guys. Okay, get ready. So, um, uh, Huzafia says, um. 
Life was simple and free during Jihad. He's a former sniper. All we had to deal with was making plans for attacks against the enemy and retreating, he said. The people didn't expect much from us, and we had little responsibility towards them. Whereas now, if someone is hungry, he deems us directly responsible for that. The Taliban used to be free of restrictions, but now we sit in one place, behind a desk, and a computer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Life's become so wearisome. You do the same things every day. Being away from the family has only doubled the problem. Oh yeah, because like none of them can afford rent to bring their family in, into the big city. So their families are all in the village still. Oh wow. So they're away from their wives and they're seeing Kabul women as well who are wearing less hijab than the women that they used to. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Must, they, they must be suffering a lot. Yes, yeah. yes, I see and then that. uh sometimes I miss the jihad life for all the good things it had, said 25-year-old Abdul Nafi. In our ministry, there's little work for me to do. Therefore, I spend most of my time on Twitter. We're connected to a speedy Wi-Fi and internet. Many Mujahideen, including me, are addicted to the internet, especially Twitter. <laughs> what is happening? What? This is, this is, are you sure this was, the source of this was not the onion? This is amazing. I know, it's real. The funniest oh thing God. was in, in the, in the Bill Maher clip, when they talk about how um, the, the Taliban is complaining about how, here's the quote, um, uh, in the group, we had a degree of freedom about where to go and where to stay and whether to participate in the war, he said. However, these days, you have to go to the office at 8 a.m. and stay there till 4 p.m. If you don't go, you're considered absent and the wage for the day is cut for your, from your salary. We're now used to it, but it was especially difficult during the first two or three months. And the funniest thing was during the HBO clip when they said that they were so frustrated over working from eight till four like the looks on bill mars and his guests faces like that was the most outrageous part of it <laughs> like they're, they're upset about working eight to four what the hell like that out of everything that was the most outrageous to us americans like <laughs> You know what? You know what? People should, I, I bet you a lot of Americans and other Westerners would be like, look, our lives are actually more miserable than, than, having, to go, than having to go to war. <laughs> people, people who have experienced both office work and fighting in war have preferred war, fighting in war. So this is like we're living under such horrible conditions. This is how office life is. So it's so depressing. Yeah, it yeah, might yeah, actually yeah, yeah. be th that depressing. I don't know. Oh, so. Yeah. So like so. It, it goes on and on. And one thing that I thought was really interesting is that the um <laughs> yeah, I can feel their pain. Yeah, we can all agree that office we you know we never thought that we'd have anything in common with the Taliban, but apparently the thing we have in common is that we hate working at the office. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um the really interesting thing that this report told me though that wasn't highlighted in a lot of reporting on this is that um when the Mujahideen were fighting all of their expenses were covered and people would essentially take care of them because it was seen like as their duty, what they had to do or um, like, they because they were fighting a holy war like it was other people's obligation to just kind of care for their needs but now that the war is over now they're moving into like you actually have to work you actually have to earn a salary you have to pay rent like people expect you to provide for the family like the 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 the, the uh, you know overall taliban structure isn't going to provide for your family anymore you have to do that and what's so interesting is the report is talking about how 
how many of these young Talibs are like now struggling with that. They're like struggling with now realizing he's like, oh, I actually have to be the provider now. That was really, really interesting. But um, we got a yeah. super chat from Secular Sakai. Read this. Uh, oh, thank you thank for the you. super chat. $10 super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, saying, I remember watching Bill Maher's bit about this on his show from Jihad Joe to Joe in accounting, laughing my ass off. <laughs> Um, uh, oh, and then he's asking me, P.S. Did the donation amount display bug get fixed on the OBU Ren donor box page? I'll have to check. I had to contact support because I don't know what's going on with that. It's something on their side. But thank you for checking in with me. Um, all right, Sasan is getting depressed because we all, all this talk about office work and he has to now go at a, to, an, to his office soon. Also, D is saying, will they turn into Marx, Marxist <laughs> next? Yeah, workers in it. That's so funny. So we have a few. Um, I would. I really suggest people go um, look up this whole interview by um, Afghanistan Analytics Networks because it was so interesting. Um, and um, we have some funny comments. Uh, yeah, do you say look at what Twitter has done is doing to them? Hashtag say no to modernity. <laughs> um, just, Mustafa oh, yeah. is saying it's. It, this is kind of sad because this mentality could only exist for people who fought in a generation long war. Peace is so foreign to them a multi-generation long war yeah yeah. like their fathers and their father's fathers were fighting in this um d said they are mentally handicapped from dealing with half the population it's really sad actually i know this is something that's really foreign to me like i once dated someone that grew up in yemen and when he talked about when he moved back to the states and he was too scared to look at women because he used to be beaten for looking at women and then coming back to the states where things are so different like obviously that's going to make navigating the world very difficult but i i wanted to address something oh shoot you you unhighlighted the comment basically um uh pakistani patriot force was giving some pushback on us from yeah saying susanna it's not funny f these taliban here's the thing humor is one of the best ways in which we can disarm people it's one of the best ways in which we can disarm people because it's you if if you can laugh at something that means you're taking power away from it that means you're not fearful you're not so fearful that you cannot laugh in the face of it let's be honest we we can we this, the taliban can be very scary but we should not give them so much power because sometimes people like to be scary because then they gain power right so what do we do instead we mock them and we say you know what being a being a talib it's kind of cringe being being in the taliban it's kind of cringy you know and you know we should we should treat them accordingly it's cringe let's just be honest you know and it, let's just make fun of them because then they won't be so powerful that we're just terrified you know they deserve to be mocked and that's a uh, per- perfectly said perfectly said uh this is why dark humor is a thing but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so especially because sometimes the news is so sad and depressing because that a lot of people just avoid consuming it so you use dark humor as a way to make it easier to swallow but um, the overall point mm-hmm. is that you know it's it's easy to be a jihadi it's easy to be a revolutionary it's not so easy to actually run a functioning government it's easy to tear things down it's not easy to maintain an institution yeah that exactly. requires real skill that's important to know because a lot of people think like United States was uh, so weak that his defeat was defeated by the Taliban. But again, you need a power, you know, a thousand times stronger to be able to hold something together. Like, like Taliban is now discovering that with, you know, ISIS-K, that ISIS-K is a lot, a lot weaker than the Taliban, but is still able to cause a lot of headache for the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when okay. the interviews, it also talked about how they were shocked about how easy it was to take Kabul because they had never been to Kabul. It's a big city. They were confused by it. They did not know how to navigate it at all. One guy literally said if they had given us any pushback, it would have taken us weeks, but they oh, literally wow. left before we even got there. I was like, that is, <laughs> I'm like, that is damning. That yeah, is but damning. Yeah, ex- that's actually a very good um, thing to remember because people are like, how could nobody predict that the Taliban took over that fast? Like, Taliban didn't know that, like, if even Taliban was surprised about how they fast they took to- uh, Kabul, then what do you expect from everyone else? Nobody expected that, including the people who were... <laughs> Wait, this... Um... Oh, look at this. Oh, no, no, this... I thought... Okay, but Sasan is saying, this is the only news show that I watch. Oh, that's well, so sweet. That is sweet, but I don't know if I want to <laughs> encourage that. <laughs> I, I, you should have a diverse um, source of information. Yeah, yeah. Please go follow some actual, like, on-the-ground journalists. <laughs> yeah, because, 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 guys, this is an opinion show. This is not a news, uh, uh, a source of news. Like, we are here to, uh, what you're getting here is reporting of the news with a heavy bias of me and Susanna's opinions, right? So you shouldn't be here to if you want more objective sources of news what we recommend is france 24 uh we recommend dw where else do we recommend dw um i this is controversial and i actually like al jazeera english for a lot of coverage not all coverage but a lot of coverage i like al jazeera english this their their show the stream is usually very good yes yes but but that's also opinion um if you want completely if you want to be sure that almost get assured that this is completely objective and no propaganda not that much propaganda in it then go with france 24 and dw i think those are the best sources yeah ap yeah dsa yeah. oh. um, yeah, uh, associated press the guardian true i don't know the guardian is also has some leanings right they have a bias uh, it's worse in their opinion pieces, i'm not saying less so in their actual just reporting uh, yeah I'm, I'm not saying they're not a good source of information they're a fantastic source of information but if you want to be like i want to make i want to make sure that there's nothing no leanings like this is like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hard facts. Uh, it's hard to do. AP is good. Uh, France 24 is good. And DW. I also really like, because I actually have a giant folder in my bookmarks bar because <laughs> I'm always constantly looking for news for this show. Um, specifically for news on Iran, Iran Wire. I love Iran Wire. It's mm. like, it's it's the best. Yeah. So for example, not every, you know, I get news from, un, uh, from bias sources. I, I'm just aware of the bias. For example, Iran Wire is less biased. Iran International is biased, but I prefer Iran international because i'm aware of their bias and i agree with their bias right so it's okay to be biased as long as you are aware of what the bias is right you know for example here we are biased at atheist republic but we tell you what our bias our bias is anti-religion anti-islam and we are uh, we are pro-liberalism so these are our bias right yeah al jazeera english is like fairly unbiased except when it comes to palestinian issues (laughs) but besides that it's like actually pretty good most of the time yeah um what about voice of america voice of america has a heavy bias as well which is okay again we're not we're not trying to shut it down by saying that right some biases are okay like iran international even claims that they're biased like we have their reporters like how could we not be biased we want to be biased so like yeah you know anyways um can we clap for the next news um oh no this is no bueno no bueno okay next news 
Next news. They used our hijabs to gag us. Systematic abuse of Iranian protesters. On February 6th, British news outlet The Guardian released a report detailing the systematic abuse many Iranian protesters faced at the hands of the Islamic Republic security forces amidst ongoing protests that have rocked the country. The newspaper interviewed 11 protesters, men and women, who suffered torture and sexual violence from regime authorities. They also talked to a nurse who detailed who women who came in for treatment were bleeding from their vaginas due to infection, a sign of sexual torture that many Iranians have experienced. One of the protesters interviewed by the Guardian, 25-year-old uh, Dorsa, was violently arrested along with her sister and two male friends. The group was forced to sign confessions stating that they were protesting before being separated from one another for interrogation, aka torture. She was sexually abused by a foreign object before she was released. Sarah, a woman in her 40s from Iran's Kurdistan region, was among the first protesters to be arrested during the first waves of protests triggered by the deaths of, death of Masa Amini. Like many female protesters, she was beaten and sexually assaulted and said authorities even used their hijabs to gag their mouth. 30-year-old Kamyar from Mashhad also narrated how Iranian authorities sexually abused him in a police van. Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch have published detailed reports showing the human rights violation committed by the regime against its citizens. So I wanted to talk about this because we, I mean, if you follow here in Atheist Republic, you know that this is a thing, you know that this is how protesters are treated, right? But it, it's important that we talk about this again now because Armin, this is something, a broader issue that we need to unpack is that there are a wave of general amnesties that are happening in the country. So there are a lot of people that are being released from prison right now. And so we're now getting more details about all of the things that the authorities have been doing for the past several months. So <clears throat> it, it, it's important that we still talk about it because it might have happened a little while ago, but it's only now that this information can come out. And so it's really important that we shed light on it, right? Because light is a disinfectant. Um, and um, so that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk about this and highlight it. But Armin, can for those who don't know, can you please explain what is going on with the prison releases we are seen and the so-called general amnesties give us the background yeah so we have like you know friends uh, being kicked out of prison it's weird so we had uh, so many people arrested after the recent protests in, in iran and recently the supreme leader Khamenei just um signed a, a general you know amnesty to everybody to free the vast, not everybody, the vast majority of prisoners, um, as long as they signed the letter saying that they would not do that uh, anymore. So, so many people signed it and they released a whole bunch of people. And then the people, there were people who were refusing to sign it, okay, which was amazing because these people were like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. You guys, I shouldn't be signing anything asking for forgiveness. You guys are the murderers. You should be signing a letter to us asking for forgiveness. And this was so badass. That's so badass because they were in jail. Some of them were like, for 10 years, 15 years, five year, five year sentences. And they were like, nope, I'm not signing anything. I didn't do anything wrong, even though that was a requirement to, to be freed. And they were not signing it. There were so many people. There were people in prison that they were that they were holding like protests in prisons and stuff. Like it was crazy brave. And then eventually the government uh, kicked them out, even without signing the letter. There were people who were like refusing to leave prison. I can't imagine. There were people outside of prison complaining about they were the fact that they were kicked 
kicked out. They're like, I did not consent to this. Let me back in. People were like, let me back in. I I saw a descriptor where they were like talking about this um, woman who teaches Kurdish to children. And it said she was forced out of prison. I was like, excuse me? I have never heard the phrase forced out of prison before. What the, what does that mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. And they're, so they're like just pushing people out and people are like, why is this happening? Why are they like desperately kicking out of people out of prison? And there's some different hypotheses. Uh, some of them are saying that maybe they can't manage the prisons anymore because they're overpopulated. You know, I think that's part maybe, of it. maybe they, they're running out of management money or may, maybe it's like destroying the morale of people who are because these prisoners are so um you know there's they just lift you up they feel they make you feel like this revolution is so for real right like the people like i wanted to show you as i wanted to, i forgot to send this to you then i was gonna play you something um uh, a call out of prison you know how they you get calls out of even prison mm-hmm. and it says like in the middle um this is a call from the prison and a cassette. So I was going to show you, a, 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 a play you an audio. I forgot to send that to you. That you can hear people, a group of people hearing, singing Baroye. Baroye is a revolutionary song. And then in the middle, it cuts and says, this is a call from Evan Prison. And it goes back and then the people are singing Baroye. So people were, ch- there was a group song in prison. <laughs> Singing better yet for the revolution from inside the prison, right? Yo, but we have we have friends inside prison that are telling us that like they they um they have like groups of you know they have activities in prison, people singing songs and stuff, and every time they have to vote for what to sing, and there are people in the prison who are for the regime and people who are against the regime, right? And so every time the vote they it gets voted on, they get something that is for you know for the revolution against the regime, and even people who are for the regime just join in like you know this is the this is the choices of the, the, the people it's a good song <laughs> and there, there's so much solidarity and support among the prisoners there that it's just like melting the heart of the prison guards right so a, a lot of these people are like we're are we the baddies here so i think like given how heartwarming and supportive and you know some people are like being freed and like i'm not leaving this prison without my friend here like there's no way you can kick me out you have to free her if you want to free me and there's like it's just making so many people think like okay these people are good the good people aren't they like we're so i think maybe the the pr aspect of it is just ruining the regime's narrative so maybe like you guys are so bad for us for our image well, mm. when we're holding you, so that that's why they're gonna kick them out. So that's another narrative. The, the third narrative, the third um, hypothesis, is that Iran is really desperately trying to get back into the JCPOA, right, yeah. the nuclear deal, and their bad human rights record right now after the revolution is what's being held against them. And so maybe they're trying to release all these prisoners to signal to the West that I don't know they are now going to be better, so that they maybe are allowed into JCPOA. So I don't know. People don't know what their reason is, but they're. There's so many disgusting propaganda from the Sedosima, uh, which is Iranian's uh, national government TV, and they have like prisoners lined up in front of the TV, in front of the news to record them, and the news announcing that the, the supreme leader has forgiven you. So for them to to Aww. show them to show the prisoners saying like yay thank, and then recording them, some of them saying thank you, supreme leader, you're so kind, you're so I don't know benevolent, you know, and then releasing that on TV. So they're using this as a propaganda piece, which is so disgusting. 
because anyways so we have yeah. a whole bunch of comments that we need to highlight by the way yeah uh, yeah yeah um we got a new member thank you oh. what i needed they're becoming a member and also with this comment saying you guys uh do uh such a good service i had to join for at least a month oh thank well, you thank you That's, so much thank you for um, support. so uh Oh, this is an interesting comment. Um, whoops. Amir is saying, I'm a socialist and I like hearing your guys' opinions and views, especially Susanna's. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you, Amir. Wait, why, 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 especially Susanna's? <laughs> but I know, right? I have questions. Um, <laughs> So Gossam is saying Raif Ipur, an, an unofficial spokesperson of the Islamic Republic, has recently said those who are against mandatory hijab just come in the streets, especially if you are pretty, which is just disgusting. It's well yeah. known that the guards will just pick out the women that they find the most beautiful to go abuse. And um, yeah, it's and, and there's so many reports of women being like he like, you know, this guard that abused like he liked hearing us cry like they were they're just like sadists, you know. Um, and um, D is saying too many media outlets have forgotten the Iran protests. Happy we are still paying attention. Yes, there is still so much stuff that is going on. There was a lull for a long, a little period of time because of the executions, and then also because of the weather conditions were so bad, and then also the cost of living crisis and inflation has gotten to an extreme level in Iran, and people need to feed themselves, right? Um, but there has actually been a lot of action recently there were pro like big we started to see big mass protests again um like previously when there was the 40th day memorial for the two men that were most recently executed who is um muhammad husseini and uh um uh syed muhammad karami or yeah muhammad karami um I mean, what's the name for the 40th day memorial? Is it Chele? Chele. Chele. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so we we're we're seeing mass protests again. And in Sistan and Baluchistan and Zahedan, you are seeing mass protests every Friday. Like that never stopped. So it's still ongoing. Um, and Sasan is asking also what happened with Sohail Arabi. Is he doing okay? We have an update on Sohail at the end of this show, so make sure to stay tuned and we will give you that update. And um um, when I hear them is saying you are welcome, thanks for becoming a member. But then, what was the Iranian news source that you suggested? The first one is Iran Wire, and the second one is called Iran International. Really good. News. Iran Wire Objective, uh, Iran International. If you want something that is more pro pro the revolution, yeah. I also, mean, that, uh, to be fair though, uh, reality is pro like uh, <laughs> reality is anti regime. Um, uh, also, radio uh, radio farda. Very good. Radio Farda. Yes. Um, okay. The so next news seems insane. But this yeah. is insane. This isn't even necessarily religious, but I saw this and I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Can I clap? Sure. Next news. Next news. Congresswoman claiming Jewish heritage exposed as Yahtzee granddaughter. Okay. Here we use the term Yahtzee um, because YouTube doesn't like the real word. Okay. We were referring to the baddies in World War II. Okay. I think we all know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, look at the screen. You can see the actual word. Okay. But I'm going to say Yahtzee. Florida Republican Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna, who happened 
who claimed to be Jewish, was exposed by uh, exposed by journalists as actually the granddaughter of a member of the Yahtzee Armed Forces. On February uh, 10th, the Washington Post shed light about the politician's true origins and called her out for lying about her Jewish heritage. And in, in a previous interview in November of 2022 with the Jewish Insider. In the interview, Luna said that she was raised as a Messianic Jew by her father and claimed to have Ashkenazi Jewish heritage. According to several family members, Luna is the paternal grandchild of Heinrich Meyerhofer, who served Yahtzee Germany's armed forces back in the 1940s. Moreover, Luna is considered the first Mexican-American woman elected to Congress from Florida. However, in the past, she said that she was Middle Eastern, Jewish, or Eastern European. Okay, to be so, fair, though, you can't hold her... That's her... I mean, you don't inherit Yahtzeeism. So no. that's. I mean, maybe... I mean, if she's lying, you could hold her accountable for lying about her, I don't know, ancestry. But her grandparents being Yahtzees, that's not her fault. That's not... You know, no. No, but she, what is her fault is that she seems to be a liar. Okay, yeah, that part. What is her fault is that she's a liar. So what was super interesting about this, because (laughs) I don't know what's going on right now in America, but we have a few Republican representatives that are claiming to be Jewish, and it turns out that they're lying, and then it turns out that they're lying about, like, a lot of stuff. Because we, if you pay attention to American politics, we have the whole controversy surrounding this dude named George Santos, who claimed he was Jewish. He claimed he was a lot of things. Turns out he's actually, he, he used to be a drag queen in Brazil. It's, it's crazy. It goes so deep. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Anna Paulina Luna, she has claimed many different types of heritage over the years. And then she used to say that she was just like a white person. She, she would say that she would fill out her census form saying that she was white, not Hispanic. She had previously said that she was Middle Eastern, that she was Jewish, that she was Eastern European, all this stuff. And then when she starts running for a Republican seat in Florida, she all of a sudden it leans all the way into her Latina heritage. All of a sudden, it's all about being a Mexican American. All of a sudden, it's about being Latina. Da da da. Whereas well, at, least, at least he's not racist like his grandparents. If he thinks, if she thinks, if she thinks these are good things to be, I mean, I mean that that actually does make her racist. Never mind. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was just it's wild. Like all. She has all these stories about her past that the Washington Post went to go interview people who were a part of like these stories and events. And they're like, this isn't really true. Like she said that, um, you know, her mother had to raise her completely on her own and they didn't have any help. And then her family members are interviewed and they're like, no, nah, we we like all raised her together. Like there was a break in that she said traumatized her and made her realize how much she needs to, you know, own a gun and all this stuff. And meanwhile, she was working like in the armed forces at the time like had a gun like the person who was reliving with her during this break-in was like all the details of what she talks about isn't how it actually happened like and then she's been like lying about her heritage not only lying about her heritage saying that she's a messianic jew which means like you're a jew but you believe in jesus um everyone in their family is like um that's not true and not only that but we have this photo of your grandfather wearing a yahtzee uniform so wait messianic jew doesn't mean but you believe in jesus 
Jesus. I think you just believe in it. You're waiting for the end of times. You're waiting for the Messiah. kind of. My understanding is a Messianic Jew is someone that follows Jesus to some capacity. I could be wrong. Um, and anyways, yeah, it was just, it oh. was a wild, wild exposure. Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Sometimes called Two Testament Jews. Um, yeah. And to I don't know how to put this the right way, but based on the information, because I read the report by the Washington Post, um, their family members or people who knew her grandfather said that he actually hated having to be part of the Yahtzee armed forces and that it was something that you had to do when you were a young person during that time. Um, like for a lot of people joining the, um, the Adolf youth, uh, was like mandatory, you know? Um, so yeah, this was just had all sorts of twists and turns. Yeah. That's crazy. Found a comment. It says Messianic Jews are Jewish people who believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Okay. I was right. They combine elements of Judaism with Christianity and their religious practice and identifies both Jewish and Christian. Okay. You know where I got this from? Guess Wikipedia? where I got this from? No. ChatGDP. Yes. <laughs> Always from that one. I am becoming. Wait, I realize that you say you say chat GBT and I say chat GDP, but it's chat no chat GPT. Yes. Oh damn. <laughs> GDP. <laughs> I think I have an economic mindset. That's why I always say. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay. Can we clap for the next news? Yes, this is just wild. Next news. Next news. Muslims urged by Palestinian scholar to prepare for battle against infidels. On February 8th, Palestinian Islamic scholar Sheikh Yusuf uh, 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 Makhaza claimed that Islam and fighting are inseparable and called Muslims to fight infidels, quote, before they come here. He claimed that having a good wife or land would make Muslims a target of the infidels who want to, quote, steal your wives or land. Uh, Mahaza added that fear is what keeps the infidels from attacking, and without that, they will come at you. He then said that for this purpose, Allah told the Holy Prophet to quite, excuse me, fight for the sake of Allah. He then went on a rant about America and stated, quote, if you ask them why they kill these poor, wretched people, they will tell you that this is a preventative war because these people are terrorists. And if we do not go on their turf, their own turf, and strike them in their caves before they go stronger, they will come after us. America is allowed for a preemptive war using this argument, he said. Um, Following this line of reasoning, he went on to say that the history lessons about the Arabs being aggressives, aggressors and invaders are false. He alleged that the reason why Arabs invaded Spain was the exact reason why America invaded Afghanistan. I haven't heard from uh, such urges for uh, what uh, you know for a while. This uh, such a this has been I don't know. This is it's been a, you know it's been some time since Islamic scholars have made such a such threats. Remember, like ten years ago, we used to see all these things all over the media like islamic scholars coming and saying like you know k-i-l-l the infidels this and that find them you know wherever you know do this to them wherever you find them prepare for battle they, it's yeah, kind of out of vogue nowadays it's yeah not, i don't know it died down it has died down hasn't it for a while like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or maybe it just now, doesn't get reported on as much yeah this is such a such a nostalgic it's like back in the good old days no <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. It reminds me of the good old days of jihad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
Interesting, interesting. I mean, I think maybe the appetite for that kind of like a, a jihadi mindset has been reduced among many uh, Muslims on social media. So maybe because mm. there's not a market for it, there's less people saying it. You know, I think like we see more people talking about the degeneracy of the West and mm. I don't know, anti-feminist message, anti-LGBT message. The whole idea, you know, you see less of let's go to jihad kind of social media thing. You know, maybe because of it was because it's because of ISIS. ISIS <laughs> made it. I think that's what happened. I think ISIS made it so unpopular to for people to be on social media and ask talking for, about preparing talking about, for jihad. Yeah, preparing for think, it was. Yeah. Like, I think was it left a bad taste in the mouth of like a lot of Muslims. Like this is this is gross. This is ew. Like I don't like that. This let's is a little go, scary. This is scary. Yeah, this is like this is too violent. Let's just talk about. Let's just talk against LGBT and women rights. That seems like you know because you know it's actually a more it's a winning it's a winning propaganda tactic because a lot of conservatives can get behind that. They're like, yeah, they they like ew ew. Look at all these degenerates. You know when they look at um you know gay people or trans people or you know like you know and simps and insoles and like yeah this is look at the West. The West is gross, right? So going. <laughs> And so being against that, people are like, yeah, the West is gross. So that's a narrative that is winning for them and it's making them look good. But the whole jihadi stuff doesn't make them look good, especially after ISIS anymore. So mm-hmm. I think that's why you see less demand for that and more the anti-degeneracy bandwagon. And you, you see even in, among Westerners, you see the whole repel movement. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. that globally there's a demand for this being being against liberal values like that. So that's so even 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 conservatives like like you can see Daniel. Is not going out and like telling people like even though he has his belief that we they have to bring in the caliphate at some point and bring out you know have yeah, yeah, Islamic yeah. rule, but they don't they don't lean into that anymore. They go into showing why liberalism is a failure. That's that's the winning propaganda thing in social media. That's, that's why it's so unique. Very true. I remember you were doing a review of Daniel Hakikaju's debates. And you, th- th- I remember you saying like he doesn't actually make a lot of pro-Islam arguments. It's more about tearing down liberalism. Yes, with like because- the subtext being like, oh, well, obviously Islam should just be like put in its place without like yeah. being explicit as to the reasoning. It it, it has more of a custom <laughs> demand for it among Muslims now that kind of anti-liberal attitude, right? But it mm-hmm. also is a point of unity among con- conservatives across yeah. different religions. You know. So it's something that, you know, even even religious Christians can get behind that. Even religious Hindus or Jews and even conservative atheists can sometimes get behind that. And like, you know, Muslims have a point, you know, this is why you see like right leaning far right people in the West putting posters about Islam is right about women, right? That's the whole point, yeah. right? So, and that's why you see now uh, conservative YouTubers uh, coming out and saying, you know what? Maybe Islam has a point. This is why Andrew Tate became Muslim. This yeah. is why, what's the other guy's name? I forgot his other guy. There was a major ex-Muslim YouTuber. Hamza. Hamza, now reconsidering going back to Islam because they mm-hmm. are conservatives and conservatives that like, Islam seems to be the major defender of these these wholesome conservative values. So, again, so this is why we're not saying stuff like this as much as we used I think that's a very good point Armin I hadn't even thought about it like that neither have I until right now (laughs) (laughs) I just let it fall out of my mouth (laughs) literally (laughs) all right I don't know what this next um, news is but the image is I don't know what what am I looking at (laughs) 
Oh, so I said it's saying conservative atheist? Oh, yes, so, so. Oh, oh yeah. you have no idea. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There are a ton of those. Unfortunate. Um, okay, can we clap for this? Um, yes, yes, yes. This is funny. It's juicy. Okay, next news. Next news. Woman strips at Western Wall in protest of Israeli modesty bill. On February 12th, an Israeli woman was arrested after conducting a protest where she stripped down to a bathing suit at the Western Wall in response to a bill proposed by the ultra-Orthodox Shas party that would criminalize, quote-unquote, immodesty at the holy site. According to reports, the woman removed her clothing after entering the women's section of the Western Wall with only her two-piece swimsuit and sneaker remaining. The the police arrested the woman and took her to a nearby police station for questioning. If found guilty, the woman could be imprisoned for up to three years uh, for an insult to religion charge. Although the proposed bill was quickly withdrawn due to fierce criticism, similar proposals are uh, likely to appear again as Israel elected its most right-wing government in recent history. This was in response, I think, to a law that they were suggesting to make it so that any insults to religion at the wall, including just women, for example, going to the men's section or just going to the men's section with that, the kippah, the kippa? what is that called? Kippa. Kippa. Um, should get you arrested or fined. Mm-hmm. So guys, they're, they're, this is the lunacy, like this is what we're dealing with right now. The the current government, the current coalition in Israel is going full on Yahtzee. Okay, these are, you know, this is, this is they're, they're, uh, they're anti-free speech, anti-secularism, anti-gay rights, anti-woman rights, anti-trans rights, and most important of all, anti the separations of power between the branches of government. Mm -hmm. So basically, they are destroying what we consider one of the most fundamental characteristics of a liberal democracy. I don't know if people understand that liberal democracy is what makes democracy good. Absolute democracy is horrible. Liberal democracy, liberalism and democracy are at, are at, at odds with each other. Right. So people think that just because democracy is good, you should you need to have maximum democracy. Maximum democracy is a bad thing. This is why, because people are not educated about the limitations of democracy that is needed. They think, well, we like democracy. And these right leaning conservative religious nut jobs are going around like, well, don't you like democracy? Well, these courts are stopping us from enforcing the will of the people. So we need to reduce the power of the court, but they don't understand the court is exactly what makes a democracy a liberal democracy because there's certain things that should not be up to the majority's decision. That what makes a democracy a liberal one because the, lim- the liberal part of demo- uh, the liberal part of a liberal democracy limits the democratic element of a liberal democracy because it limits what the majority can do. It limits the the uh, what the majority could enforce upon minority because a liberal democracy makes it so that the majority cannot take their away the rights of minorities such as gay people such as trans people such as ethnic minorities for example arabs in a majority jewish country and once you take away the power of the court this is what montesquieu realized that when you want to have an effective government you need to make sure that the power is not centralized in one of the branches of the government that's why you separate the powers so that you have decentralized the power between the judiciary the executive and the legislative and now in israel these people are going out with the propaganda of like hey you want democracy well the legislative branch is the democratic 
element of the government and you voted us in and these courts are stopping us from enforcing your rule. So they wanted to make it, they were passing laws so that they could make, they could bypass the laws. They could, the, 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 the Knesset, which is the, which is the parliament in Israel, they saying that if we have like 51% vote, the courts cannot stop us. Even if it's illegal, this law has to be passed. Which if that happens, that means the end of liberal democracy in Israel. That means all these right-leaning laws, all these religious laws, there's no limitations to it. And unfortunately, Israel doesn't have a constitution. It has something similar to a constitution, but not a constitution. So there's no hard, there's no, it's possible for them to be able to do this. That would be the only successful democracy in the Middle East, the only successful democracy in the Middle East would no longer be successful because it wouldn't be a liberal democracy anymore. The the only true secular liberal democracy, both secularism and liberalism is is being challenged in in the only successful part of the Middle East. And you know how this is devastating, not just for Israel, but for the planet, for the Middle East and for the rest of the world. Do you have any idea how much the politics of Israel is influential on one of the most important countries on this planet, which is the United States, and on every other country in the Middle East. This is devastating. This is horrible. By the way, on that, I want to say something. I, I, I had a show on the Atheist Republic Persian. Um, we So the atheists of Iran and the atheists of Middle East, what I'm trying to do is to try to create a bridge between us because now we're suff- both of us are suffering from the influence of religion on politics. You know, I know Iran is suffering a lot more but st- at least we have something that we could relate, right? So if you go to Atheist Republic Persian, I tried to, I brought in an atheist um, Israeli to tell people about all these horrible things that are happening in Israel. So for Iranians to see that atheist I- Iranians could see that we have things in common with Israeli atheists, right? So if you go to Jomhuria Bichodayan, which is our atheist channel, if you go to the live section, you can see this show. This one we brought in and people were asking questions like Iranians were asking in Persian and he was speaking in English and I was acting as a translator. So we were trying to create a bond between secular uh, Israelis and secular Iranians, which is pretty good. So, yeah, this was. was And you also interviewed an Israeli atheist activist on the English channel, too. Yes, I did that, too. Yeah, on this channel, too. Yeah. So if you go, guys go to our live, you should be able to see that as well. Hara Sultan is saying, imagine atheists of Iran and atheists of Israel ending this conflict. We actually can, because once you remove religion, there's no dispute or like well, a large amount of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another show I did on our Persian on our English channel. I brought in um, uh, Israeli atheists telling us about the nightmares that are happening. Wait, so click on it and give us the title so people can see. Let's oh. promote it properly. Okay. So this one is called Israel's New Far Right Government, A Threat to Secularism and Democracy. It was a good show, guys. Make sure to check this out. I got scared. So that's how you know it was a good show. I was like, oh, no, we're so fucked. I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sasan is saying, I saw the show today. It was great. Who knew that there were multiple Qurans? I also saw the Israeli interview. It was great. Thank you for all the hard work, Armin. Thank you. Armin has, guys, Armin has been doing so much hard work on the Persian channel lately that you don't see over here. So I want to really make sure we give him lots of credit and recognition for that because he's doing a super good job. I'm proud of him. Um... And what I love this comment, One-Eyed Heathen is going, there goes Armin, defender of nuance, advocating for separation of powers. And I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh my God, Armin's going off. Let me sit back. I feel like I'm taking a civics course right now. Just let him do his thing. <laughs> no, 
but honestly, like in Israel, this is the, the lack of understanding of what makes a democracy works is one reason, one of the reasons why these uh, this right leaning government is their propaganda is working. Because think about the narrative. The, the narrative is so they're very effective with this narrative. Like, hey, we're actually people are the far right people in Israel. They're saying like they are. This is their narrative. They're like they're accusing us of being anti democracy, but we're actually for democracy because you voted us in and we're trying to pass the laws that you ask for and the court is saying no so who is them being democratic here we being we are being democratic here and the court is stopping us so people are like yeah that's right actually isn't pro-democracy isn't pro-democracy doesn't that mean that the people's will should be passing so yeah maybe it makes sense to re- reduce the power of the court because that would be pro-democratic this happens when you have an educated people about okay democracy being good that doesn't mean you want maximum democracy this is why people don't understand a liberal democracy is a de- is a democracy where the democratic element of the democracy has been limited to in favor of individual rights that's what liberalism means it means you have the limitations are individual rights that are non-negotiable and the, the, for example the majority cannot come say like hey let's bring back slavery like even if 100 people percent of the people vote for that that would be like in the constitution or like nope okay gossam john is saying that we need more Susie on the farsi channel yes can you come back that would be great yeah what do you want to talk about about your you know part, your take on the protests and your activism and what your takes up that would be oh that could be yeah good. You, yeah you could have come with pictures and stuff like that to show us that would be- all right i think i found some people that i'm gonna celebrate nuru's with oh nice i'm very excited because i've never i've never done nuru's take pictures we will have we will show that on the show as well exactly our persian community is gonna freak out (laughs) i'm so excited all right let's move on let me get a little half scene i'll I'll bring some kuwait kaka like it'll be great can we clap for the next news yeah this is crazy Next news. Next news. Wyoming Republicans want to kill a proposed anti-child marriage law. Let me, oh my God. Wyoming Republicans are planning to stop a proposed bill that seeks to place a minimum age requirement for marriage from being passed into law, despite being sponsored by a Republican lawmaker. The bill plans to set the minimum age for marriage to 18 years old. Exceptions apply to 16 and 17 year olds as long as they obtain parental permission. The Wyoming Republican Party argued against the bill and in a campaign email detailing their grievances, further insisted that the proposed bill, quote, denies the fundamental purpose of marriage. They also said that since minors can have children even before they are 16 years old, teen parents should be allowed to marry as an option for the sake of those children. Even though Wyoming doesn't have any mar- any laws prohibiting teenagers from co-parenting, anti-child marriage advocacy group Unchained at Last condemned the bill for being too weak and impacting only a small number of victims, especially considering that 97% of child marriages in Wyoming are to girls aged 16 to 17 years old. So let me break this down. In America, we have eight 
states that have no minimum age for marriage on the books. Let me repeat that. We have eight states that have no minimum age for marriage on the books. So you're telling me in the United States, there are states where you could legally have sex with like a 12 year old? No, no. But under the right circumstances, you might be allowed to marry that 12 year old. Well, Well, 12 year old that if you're married to, then you could have sex with. Yes. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Wait, let me ask my question again. And the answer apparently is yes. So there are, in the United States, there are ways for you to legally have sex with a 12-year-old. Yes. As long as now, you're married to them. There, if you are married. There are, here's the that's thing, though. Sometimes there are some restrictions in terms of how big the age gap can be. So there might be some restrictions on that. But the short answer is yes. Okay. So what? Yes. So let me so, let me repeat that. Let me repeat that again so there are an adult so an adult like a 30 year old i don't know about that a 30 year old can have legally can have sex with a 12 year old in the united states legally i because there are some nuances when it comes to the age differences that are allowed i don't know if i can give that a full yes yes do you say yes but it's 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 a a possibility do you say yes yeah so this is so crazy let me break this down so wyoming currently has no minimum age for marriage on the books and this law is proposing that they make the minimum age 18 and then there are exceptions for 16s and 17 year olds who have parental consent to get married now this that's the proposed bill and there are child marriage anti-child marriage advocates who are saying that this is the, the bill that is proposed is so weak that it is not worth the paper that is it is printed on because the proposed bill makes an exception for 97% of child marriage cases 97% of child marriage cases happen between the ages of like 16 and 17 so if you're making an exception for 16 and 17 year olds you're only protecting three percent of those who are vulnerable to forced child marriage so advocates are like this is this is like the weakest version of this bill it's not even worth the paper that this is printed on and even so wyoming republicans are fighting this they're fighting the weakest version of this bill because they're saying that this is against the fundamental purpose of marriage and they i have to pull up this quote wait give me a second to find it because it made me lose my mind um uh it basically they were saying that um if the if schools are not raising children to like be um oh my god it was basically saying like oh schools are institution institutionally like our bodies mature to have the ability to reproduce before our institutions give us that level of maturity to like make those decisions so we should have marriage, da da da. Which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's not that the schools are not making children mature enough. It's not that schools, I mean, we have horrible public education in America, but it's not that schools are not making children mature enough to do this. It is that they are children 
and they are developing and they are literally not mature enough to do this. It's not because the state is failing to imbue the maturity they, in these, these children. People think like if you if under the right circumstances, if you like educate a twelve year old enough, you could call it mature enough for for sex. Basically, they think like it's based on the based on the environment. Maybe you could like hey like let's let's teach her history and philosophy. Oh, you're so mature. Get ready to get F. I don't know what the hell. This is so stupid. Oh my God, these people and, are so stupid. Oh my God. The Republican Party sent out a mass email criticizing the bill, arguing that its passage based is its passage based on constitutional infringed on constitutional and parental rights, and further insisted that the proposal denies the fundamental purpose of marriage. Marriage is the only institution in the Wyoming statute designed to keep a child's father and mother living under the same roof and cooperating the in in the raising of any children that they together conceive. That is the natural right of every child. There is no law preventing an unmarried teen mother and father from living together in the same roof and cooperating and raising that child. But here's the thing. Wait, 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 wait. That's that's just a whole bunch of nonsense in in replacement of just saying, we want to have sex with kids. That's what you meant to say. That's basically, that's just like a whole bunch of gibberish that like, hey, we are, we're Christian fundamentalists and that's what we do. We have sex, but go ahead. They want, it's, it will, in that specific instance, they're talking about teen parents. In that specific instance, they're talking about teenage parents. But so Unchained at Last, which is really the one of the premier organizations in the United States fighting it, forced marriage and advocating for stronger laws against forced marriage and child marriage, go support Unchained at Last. They also do really good educational content if you want to learn more about this problem in the United States, because there are child marriage in the United States. There are forced child marriages in the U.S. Don't get it twisted. Um, is they were talking about how, like, if you make these exceptions and carve them out where these marriages can still happen with parental permission, you're de- you're dealing with a situation where it's parental coercion, like, and parents are coercing their children into ha- into getting married. Maybe because they were caught having sex before marriage. Maybe there was a pregnancy, and now it's like a shotgun marriage. You got to get married, da da da. But what's so insidious about it that Unchained at last points out is that you are having people get. You're having children be married before they can open a bank account in their own name. You're having them get married before like a full litany of rights are available to them because they're still minors. You're having them get married while they are still too young to go to a domestic violence shelter if they need to. If they're being abused and they need to leave, they cannot go to a domestic violence shelter because they're still children and they need to have a guardian and minors cannot be unattended. So it traps people in very, very bad situations, very, very risky situations. And it's despicable because, so here's a quote from Unchained at Last. What we're arguing, of quote, what we're arguing about in most states is the idea of entering a minor into marriage before they're old enough to bring legal action into their own name. And then what they're saying is what's really insidious is that what oftentimes happens is these children are being married to someone who is of an age age where if that older person had a sexual relationship with that minor under any other circumstance besides marriage, it would be considered RAPE. 
either statutory or otherwise. So if under any other circumstance, it would be considered RAPE, you're having children marry. There are, there, the, the, you know what I'm getting at here. The RAPEist. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's just so awkward to say. <laughs> yeah, because because we what we understand is that in marriage doesn't make RAPE not RAPE. And if you're a child, now you are stuck with that person. Now you are easier to manipulate. Now it's harder for you to run away. So if the law recognizes that this would be RAPE under every other situation, it would be even more RAPE when you don't have a place to run away from, when you are living with that person, when you are a child and they're told and you're being told even by your parents that this is okay you're being gaslit by your own parents that this is acceptable so it's still rape but but the law is now not going to recognize that one situation as rape by the way we have a lot of good points in the live chat i want to highlight i know okay go for it um Um, uh (laughs) gossip is saying mark bar those eight states um, so he's yeah. saying death to those eight states. Um, he's also saying, has any child marriage registered in those uh, eight states already? I mean, yeah, no, they have. They're already on the books. Yeah, there are many. Statistic. There are um, many. Yeah. Uh, despite these arguments, research shows a different reality for child marriage. Anti-child marriage advocacy group Unchained at Last said that since 2000, 60,000 marriages in the United States have happened at age gaps that would be considered a sex crime. If, but the marriage gets them a di- jail, get out of jail free card. That's 60,000 since the year 2000. And that's only the marriages that would be considered RAP under other circumstances. There are many other child marriages that happened beyond that 60,000. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Is shocked. Um, let's go to, let's keep these shirts, Jenna, because we need to move on. Yeah. So read this comment. Diane is saying, and these are the same people removing books from school libraries because the children are too young. Yeah. And, yeah. and here's another point similar to that <laughs> captain nader is saying oh you're too young to know that trans people exist oh marriage sure you're a woman now yeah so exactly the, the hypocrisy these these apparently these are uh, oh, these these people are old enough to have sex with but too young to know about i don't know trans stuff like oh these are the same people that say like if you tell these people about trans they would just their minds will explode they're not they're too young to understand these things but apparently yeah it's not it's it's too sexual to tell them that trans people are exist but not sexual but not not sexual <laughs> it's not sexual enough for them to have you know your you know, i don't want to say that due to my yeah 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 my d strength, is saying strength. and they are the ones that are anti-grooming this is the party yeah. against grooming guys and they want to yeah. shut down the weakest anti-child marriage bill this is this is actually the worst type of grooming you know grooming that has been legitimized by the state that mm-hmm. has been endorsed by your parent this is this is grooming this is grooming with everybody involved the children are told that this is okay and they are believed to make this is this is exactly grooming and everybody is in on it and they accuse other people the hypocrisy but we got a 55 um euro super chat by gj thank you so much wow wow. thank you gj that's That's very generous saying on having a constitution the united kingdom still does not have that and the current absolute majority tories uk government are pushing bills through parliament similar to the u.s patriot act injecting the worst venom in the senate amendments this is i I know sometimes people say that the uk has an unwritten constitution but this is why it's important to have an actual written constitution this is why yes guys you have no idea how taliban like united states
this would have been by now if we if you guys didn't Yo. have a constitution. Like imagine the things that the Republican Party would have been forcing upon the people by now if you guys did not have a constitution. It would be an unlivable country. So every American should be thanking the the hells that that you guys have this this one piece of document that is just standing between you and the full on Taliban of this. Country. I swear to God, the Bill of Rights is like the sexiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. That's one okay. sexy bitch. <laughs> but again, DJ, thank you so much for the super chat. That's very very generous. Um, Sasan is asking Susanna knows Farsi. She is amazing, man. Go CEO. Yeah, Farsi, you can't leave. You can't be that. Like. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can't <believe> that. <laughs> what else do you know? What else? Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, how about this? Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Wait, I should cut that part out. Uh, <laughs> wait, I need to write. One thirty-nine. I want to put. Okay, I'm making guys. I'm gonna make a video montage of all the things Susanna has said about the revolution and everything. So I'm like, one day I will edit them all. Okay, so can we clap? Iranian rants. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we uh, clap for the next news? Yeah, this is wild. Okay, next news. Next news. New survey: Most even white evangelicals are Christian nationalists or sympathizers. A new national survey released on February 8th by the Public Religion Research Institute and Brookings Institution reveals that about two-thirds of white evangelicals in the U.S. and most most Republicans are sympathetic to or adhere to Christian nationalism. The survey was conducted online between November and December 2022 and had a sample size of 6,212 Americans with a margin of error of 1.6%. It showed uh, it shows that 10% of all Americans are avowed Christian nationalists, while 19% sympathize with the core tenets of the ideology. White evangelicals are more likely to be Christian nationalists than Black or Hispanic evangelicals. The survey shows that 21% of Republicans are avowed Christian nationalists, while 33% sympathize with the ideology, meaning that most Republicans show a degree of support for the doctrine. Uh, concerning religious practice, Americans who attend religious services are at, at least once a week or more are more likely to support or sympathize with Christian nationalism than those who seldom or never attend religious services. All right, you have it. Let's go through this fast. We have a surprise Pikachu face. That's funny. Let's just go through this fast because I want to get to the next news. But yeah. Yeah, so this... um. I mean, there is so much to unpack in this report, and people might be asking about the credibility of it. The Public Religion Research Institute and the Brookings Institutions are both very, 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 very credible um, institutions and uh, research outlets. So um, I wouldn't be too worried about the credibility. And it's also important to note that so far, this is the largest study ever conducted examining the attitude of Christian nationalism in America. So this is very, very important. And um, in this, this is just one figure out of a very, very lengthy report that examined many different questions. Um, but this is it gives you the overall summary. 
And here you can see that out of all the groups, white evangelical Protestants have a very high degree of support for Christian nationalism. There are people who are considered adherents, where they're like, yes, full-blown. And then there are people that have sympathies towards some of the beliefs or attitudes or desires of the movement. And so, um, but combined, if you consider them as someone that just has this attitude and, and you combine these groups, the results are very striking and worrying because that means that most white evangelicals support this doctrine. That means that most Republicans support this doctrine to some degree. And um, this poll actually went in depth looking at what kind of things they support. Like, do they think that America should be a, like named a Christian nation? How did they think that, that should affect our judicial branches or laws? Um, do they think that America should be majority Christian? How do they feel about about other minorities. They they also looked at um, how attitude, attitudes towards Muslims in particular. And no surprise, if you are more likely to be a Christian nationalist, you're also more likely to hold negative attitudes towards religious minorities and Muslims in particular. Um, but one thing that I thought was, I mean, this is like a little bit of a sidebar, but so there were adherents and sympathizers and then people that had no score and then people who were skeptics were like, I don't know about this. And then there are people that outright reject it, right? But Armin, if you look at the bottom of this graph or close to the bottom, there's Jewish and unaffiliated. So that would be us. We would be unaffiliated. And <laughs> I love that oh, wow. it's the Jews and the non-religious people who are like so firmly rejecting this. They're like, <laughs> on both, it's like 92% skeptic, like, I don't know about this, or like full-blown, oh, hell no. How was the question asked exactly? The specific question that gave rise to this um, graph, I'm not 100% sure. I would, be I believe that this is kind of a, like, they ask that person a range of questions, and then they get an overall score that gives rise mm -hmm. to being put into any one of these categories. I'm surprised there were so much, like, the Jewish. I'm assuming because a lot of these Jewish people are just cultural Jews, mm -hmm. Jews in America. So I think when it comes to, if you ask them if they're Jewish or not affiliated because of the cultural um, loyalty and stuff, they will say they're Jewish. But I think belief-wise, a lot of these Jewish people are secular. So mm -hmm. if you were, if you separated the Jewish between religious Jewish and cultural Jewish, you would see the, uh, the the religious Jewish would be a minority and the cultural Jews would be basically uh, the, exactly like the rest of us, uh, the rest of us atheists or secularists. And it would be the religious Jewish people would be more closer to the whole white evangelical. I don't think so, Armin. I think mm -hmm. the religious Jewish people would probably reject this very firmly as well because a lot of these yeah. Christian nationalists are anti-Semitic AF. Mm -hmm. So you're a saying Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro is like one of the few people in this group that is like, is this part of the Ben Shapiro is like one of these two here? I guess so. Okay, okay. So he, he likes to say represent... it's Judeo-Christian, da da da. But like a yeah. lot of a lot of the Christian, I mean, we all saw January sixth, right? Like the anti-Semitism yes. was out the wazoo. Um, yes. 
but uh, the uh, D, our lovely editor, wants us to um, go through a few of the tweets that she highlighted in this news. Um, can you scroll down a little bit? So let's read this tweet by um, uh, Andrew Seidel, because Andrew Seidel is big. Um, wait, can you scroll down some more? I can't read the whole tweet. Okay, thank you. Um, he said, really interesting numbers here. 29% of Americans totally reject Christian nationalism. 29% are supporters. 10, very strong. About 39% lean away from Christian nationalism. <laughs> For the record, the correct answer is totally reject Christian nationalism. And this is really, this is really concerning that overall... 29% of Americans support Christian nationalism. That means that a, over a quarter of the country supports Christian nationalism. And that's freaking terrifying. That is crazy. 20, more than 20, more than 25%, more than a quarter, like almost one third. Almost one third of Americans think like Christian nationalism. That sounds great. What the hell is happening? This is crazy. It's, it's, re it's being reduced or is it increasing? I think it's being reduced fully. Yeah. Based on other, the trend is downwards. If. Yes. But the people who do hold it are getting more extreme. Mm. It's a, it's, it's a horror. It's a vertical growth rather than a horizontal growth. I think you would call it. Right. Let's go to some good news. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sri Lanka needs some good news. This is great. Um, so we can clap. Yay. Next news. Next news. Sri Lanka to decriminalize homosexuality. Whoop, whoop. Okay. On February 9th, the Sri Lankan government announced that it would support efforts to decriminalize homosexuality in the country. The announcement came after receiving recommendations from other United Nations member states during the country's Universal Periodic Review, or UPR for short. Sri Lanka re received several seven recommendations from the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Norway during, during the Universal Periodic Review regarding LGBT rights. These recommendations include decriminalizing homosexuality, which is currently punishable by up to 10 years in prison in Sri Lanka's current penal code. Foreign Affairs Minister Ali Sabri said the government will support its position of decriminalizing same-sex relationships. We are, however, not legalizing same-sex marriages, but we would decriminalize it. The country's Deputy Solicitor General, uh, Nairim Pule, also pledged to amend Sri Lanka's colonial era penal code. So this is really good news because in Sri Lanka, they have two areas of the penal code that criminalizes homosexuality as essentially like a crime against nature, which is very typical for a lot of colonial era um, anti-homosexuality laws. And what's interesting is that um, previously, I believe it was Sri Lanka's Supreme Court ruled that the law was unenforceable for whatever reason. They said it's unenforceable, but it still remained on the books. And so you might say, okay, well, why is it important to still remove these laws then if the you know government has ruled that it's, uh, it's unenforceable for whatever reason? It's important to still repeal these because it reflects like a general attitude in society and it also informs people's attitudes in society, right? Like if it, if it is still legitimized in the penal code as a crime, that's still informing the general public that there is something stigmatizing and deviant and degenerate and bad that is happening when two people of the same sex want to be together that to, it's so bad to the extent that the state has an interest in getting involved and punishing people right that's pretty extreme and so removing these kinds of laws can really do a big difference in changing people's attitudes so congratulations sri lanka good job
Amazing. Um, that's good. That's good. See, we needed that. Things are some places. Some places things are moving in the right direction. Um, which that being said, actually, that's a good segue. I don't know if this is good news or bad news. Is this good news or bad news? It's. It's good news because we have news. I wish it was better news. Mm, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Is it clappable? Um, yeah. Next news. Next news. An update on persecuted Iranian atheist Sohail Arabi. So, guys, this is very important. We have been... The Atheist Republic is part of the Coalition for the Political Sponsorship of Sohail Arabi. For those who don't know, Sohail was previously sentenced to death for insulting the Prophet Muhammad. And because of... Um, many secular organizations, including Atheist Republic, internationally advocating for him. His death sentence was commuted and then he was released from prison. And then recently, at the very beginning of the year, January 2nd, he was violently arrested by Iranian um, security forces and got sent back to prison. And so we have been campaigning for him and advocating for him and we will continue to do so until he is free. Now, we have an update on... um, what his situation is. So, Armin, if you don't mind, could you please translate this update from ex-Muslim Stockholm? And um, I talked to Milad today, so I confirmed some things, and I can also give a few more details. But um, Okay, so it says, Khabar is as... Um, so this is this has been a confirmed story based on what Sohail has said to one of this a conversation that Sohail has had with one of his friends. Okay, so it says Sohail today um, called and said, and this is what, what this was five days ago. Right, so this is Sohail Arabi. Anyway, so again, for people who might not know, Sohail Arabi is an ex-Muslim atheist political prisoner in Iran. Um, so apparently, they told it, they took him. So remember, we were telling you guys about trying to. They were trying to release prisoners, and Sohail Arabi being a prisoner, they were trying to do that with him as well. So they took him to the court, um, and the court and the judge at the court told him to. Uh, give a forgiveness le- write a forgiveness letter and to um to promise that he will not do what he had done before uh, so that they could release him and so hale responded to the judge that it is you who has to do that for us it's you who have to basically give us ta'ahud ta'ahud means like you ask for forgiveness and you say i'm sorry i'm sorry i will never do this again so that's what being giving ta'ahud means right and so he's like i don't need to give ta'ahud you need to give ta'ahud because it was you who did the wrong uh, you're in the wrong right Right? And then the judge said, Look, guys, think about this. The guy could be free by the court. The judge is telling Sohail, like, do this and we'll free you. And he's like, nope, I didn't do anything wrong. So why should I do this? Right. Uh, the judge said that we will reduce your bail to 50 million uh, to 50. Oh, to 52 months only, I think. 52 months or 50 million. Wow. I think it was so probably 50 million. To a very small. No, I think it's 52 months. To a very small amount. So basically almost like zero just to so that he can go. Right. Um, so that you could go and rest. And then Sohel responded, <laughs> uh, I don't need rest. You have to give, you have to give Ta'ahod so that we will forgive you. Um, and then Sohel had raised his voice at, at the judge. Um, and then the judge said, go think about this for a week and calm down and then 
reply give us your answer because it seems like you're not calm and so i had responded i am calm and whenever you manage to bring back to life the young people you have killed maybe then i would be calm but um and then I, oh so, so for apparently his conditions for being uh, calm is for you to bring back the people you have killed and also that we put you on trial and punish you for your crime uh, and then uh, okay so apparently we now have what the charge against Sohail was so we now know because we didn't know up, t- up until now what was the what was the official charge against Sohail Arabi for him being in prison so the confirmation is that his charge is to advertise against the regime so he's he's in jail right now for advertising against the regime yeah propaganda uh, by, against the regime against Islam against national security that kind of shit yes well this time it's against the regime last time it was Islam this time it's against the regime not Islam right so apparently he did that when he He's, uh, during his travels to Kurdistan and to Sistan Baluchistan. And oh, his re- apparently his report. Okay, so his reports on the situation in Sistan Baluchistan and Kurdistan, his reports of what's happening there has been considered advertising against the regime. And that's why he has been arrested. Oh, so that last line is also very important. Um, so they transferred him from a, a, a prison in Tehran to another prison somewhere else. Do you know where, where's his new prison? In Karaj. In, in Karaj. It's just like a satellite city of Tehran, for those who don't know. Yes. But apparently they didn't transfer his medicine and his tools, right? So he is, he really needs his medicine because he has high blood pressure and he's in desperate need of them. But they didn't transfer his medicine, so he has no access to his medicine right now in this new prison. So there's that. Yeah. Thank you for translating all that, Armin. Um, it, that really helped. Um, yeah. So I um, spoke to uh, Milad Raisumanesh. That's how you say his last name, right? Yes, Raisumanesh. Who runs um, ex-Muslim Stockholm or ex-Muslim Scandinavia. Um, and um, I, I um, confirmed the source of this information. And obviously I can't um, say who it is, but I, I trust the source of this information. And um, the update on him is that he's he's very sick because he's being denied the me- medication that he needs. They're not transferring it with him. And um, that uh yeah he's he's still in prison and still needs his medication and now we have more ideas about what the charges are likely to be and um that he has been very politically active in the prisons as well and so the judge is like calm down <laughs> like you're you know because he, he won't stop talking about the revolution and stuff mm. in prison and um yeah he just refuses like this is <laughs> if anyone has ever spoken to Sohail or had an interaction with him like you know his conviction is so strong like he he refuses to back down on anything um and he's very very just yeah very strong conviction and he's like no i'm not gonna go out the easy way i'm going to sit here and do this and see it through Mm. like that's the impression i always got from him um and um i think this is just another reflection of that and um i so unfortunately you know it is likely that he is going to continue to face charges that he could still face trial um he was not released he was not part of the people being released in these general amnesties um but we do have some good news armin can you pull up the picture that i put in the private chat and the good news is is that a few 
weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, if I remember correctly. So Hale's mother, Farangis Maslum, was released from prison. So Farangis is free. For those who don't know, um, Farangis is uh, so Hale's mother. And she was sent to prison by the regime, even though she suffered a stroke because she would not stop fighting for her son. Her crime is that she would not stop advocating for her son, that she was making too much noise, that she was talking to reporters, that she wouldn't shut up. And so she was charged, if my memory serves me correctly, with propaganda against the regime was one of the charges. And she was sentenced to... um, about 16 to 18 months in prison, I believe. And um, she had, and she was released recently. So this is wonderful news. And um, it's it's great that she's been released. She can receive the medical care that she needs. And um, it just, I really wish that they were released together. Because when Sohail was released from prison, his mother was in prison. Mm. And now she's released and he's back in prison. So, so they still you don't have- see so they yeah. don't see each other when Sohail was free he didn't have access to her mom and now her mom is free and he still doesn't have access they, they just don't get to be with each other god yeah. damn it and I think like Frangis has become like a woman's rights activist she's become a prisoner rights activist there was a really sweet interview that Sohail did for Iran Wire talking about his mom and talking about how she's transformed into like this strong woman that fights for other people and like they bond over their love for like Emma Goldman who's like an anarchist writer and stuff and um and I think of um there's an old video from a few years ago where for Nowruz Ferengis went outside the gates of Avin prison where Sohail was incarcerated and she made a half scene in front of the prison for Sohail on Nowruz because they couldn't celebrate it together like my heart <laughs> It just breaks. Um, So we are really happy to hear about her release and are definitely um, celebrating. So that's the good news this week. Yeah, I want to highlight this comment because I uh, saw one eye hidden saying, my country, you mean the United States, right? Helped install this government because of oil and I am embarrassed and ashamed of it. Okay, I I don't, I mean, the United States did have a role, but the responsibility of this war are the Iranian people. Okay, let's make sure that we give the agency and the blame where it's deserved, okay? The Iranian people who did the revolution in 1979, they chose this. This was not forced by them on by United States, okay? The United States would not have been able to, wouldn't have done this if the people, if this was not the will of the people of Iran. The, the Iranian people are suffering because they made a mistake. This is not mainly the fault of, made, the government of the United States made some mistakes here, but they did not install this government. The shame and by, by the way, even if they did, the American, you don't, like, I don't understand how you could be embarrassed about something you have no role in. That's that's ridiculous. But the shame and the embarrassment is for the Iranian people who are in the streets doing a revolution against a government that needed reform, but not toppling. That's where the blame should lie. The Iranian people who did the revolution. Let, let's make sure that we don't misdirect where the blame is. Because we do, a lot of times, like, we think like, we, we rob people of their agency by always, like, trying to blame Western governments of, over everything. And then we rob them of their agency to be able to make the change. 
Yeah, but Mizuka, you're saying mullahs took advantage of the people, right? It was it was also the other way around. The people, the mullahs didn't even think about being in government. The mullahs couldn't even imagine being in the government. It was the people who pushed them there. It was the people's fault. Like, like let's let's make sure that we don't always make it seem like the people are the people are always right, and it's the governments and world powers that are wrong. Sometimes it's the people who were wrong. Sometimes it's the people who need to be blamed. And it was the Iranian people who did this. The mullahs were not smart enough even to understand how to take the power. It was like people who were leftists and communist people. It was, who, it was the communists. Yes, they actually, it was the communists, the people who were being so, the, the anti-imperialist attitude that people were having, they actually were taking advantage of the mullahs. The mullahs at some point smarted, the mullahs were being used by the communists because they didn't have the networking capabilities to reach the people. So they thought they would be in power. At some point, the mullahs realized that they actually have a lot of control over this. And and they flipped. The, even after the revolution, the mullahs said like, okay, now we could go back to our mosques and to our do are like religious stuff they didn't think that they're going to be in power at some point they realized like wait a minute we have so much power here why should we give this to the commies well and also they realized that the commies were going to scapegoat them mm. and the little choppy choppy so they decided to do choppy choppy first yes yeah Woof, if we want to get spicy so one night he didn't say i mean like i said i do appreciate your point i don't want to deprive anyone from of agency i just know my freedom loving government helped iran for example yeah but it, again it's um i mean i mean at that point at that point um at that point like i i i can see why they would be making would they they would make that mistake it was it was an age of revolution and it seemed so apparent that this is what the iranian people want technically what the what the united states was doing was giving in to the demand of the people of iran so again it's the blame is on the iranian people oh wow pakistani patriot forces saying i'm turning 21 in a few weeks and becoming more wise this channel has made me wise wow wow we're getting a lot of compliments well hey uh pakistani patriot force come back in a few weeks and we can tell you happy birthday okay so seth is clarifying which is good because i should have said many iranian people not iranian people as a whole i should i shouldn't have generalized right seth is saying it was some of the iranian people who did this and in particular khomeini opportunistically endorsing the embassy seizure and tricking the large secular provisional government into resigning yeah it was okay so you're right not i should clarify i shouldn't use such general term i shouldn't say iranian people i should say some iranian people but i do want to include in the some the, also the people who stood stood by and let it happen right mm. um but i shouldn't include i shouldn't include the people who bravely stood up against it there are some people who realize what a mess this is and they shouldn't be doing that but the people who did the revolution and the people who let it happen they are to be blamed yeah. uh harris is unblocking pa- uh pakistan patriot first <laughs> with a kiss wow uh, i say um oh i i hope it, yeah armin literally don't mind being later i really do appreciate your take you know a lot more than me no, it's okay Okay, no, I wasn't, I wasn't, I hope I didn't come out as rude or something. I was just like um, clarifying my views. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. well, thank you for, I I didn't think you would mind it. So I I hope you didn't mind it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, from all days, I'm lecturing him, uh, him or her on the day that he he just became a member. (laughs) This is what you get for becoming a member. Actually, though, (laughs) this is Atheist Republic. This is why people come here. (laughs) Oh, my God. Amazing. I had such a fun show today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so no, 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 not coming off as rude. Okay, good. 
So we're only 10 minutes over time, so that's good. Usually we try to keep it under two hours, but so almost we got it almost right. Um, and yeah, this is such a great look at this. Harris saying, um, nationalism and religion make us do. Okay, don't yes, rub it in, Harris. Don't rub it in. <laughs> like, don't do that. I told you so right now. This is. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, guys. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you also check out my discussion with Harris Sultan. Um, Super good. Also, yeah, check. I got check very out. nerdy about pakistan i was loving it yeah it was pretty good I, I, yeah leave a comment make sure once the stream is over leave a comment so that this channel grows a little bit um share this channel share our videos and if you are financially secure I, if you're not financially secure then don't listen to what i'm saying do not do not support us or any other content creator financially if you're not financially secure yourself but if you're financially secure consider supporting us financially there are multiple ways there's a paypal link in the description uh, there's a pa patreon link in the description and right next to the subscribe button there's a join button which make, you could use to become a YouTube member Th those are the ways that you can support us financially um, and also there's a donate button on our videos as well which is mm -hmm. you know so you could use that as well yeah um, because then oh, all of the yeah. transfer fees are 100% covered by YouTube and all of the money you send it goes directly to Atheist Republic no, it does not go to YouTube so you're really getting the most out of your donation yes and also get on our newsletter because we have beautiful blasphemous art that we send everybody you get my book why there is no god for free if you subscribe to our newsletter and you keep we that's a way for, for us to also keep in touch with you if social media is like we get screwed on social media right so for our blasphemous art for my free book and for getting constant updates from us um subscribe to our newsletter link in the description all right thank you everybody bye Mwah. boost boost